from Indianapolis with an eye on every corner of the state. This is IBJ Media's Inside Indiana Business with Gary Dick. Presented by Elevate Ventures, Ice Miller, and Indiana University. Sharpie heads it back. Morton has a bobble. Pino gets there and scores. Great effort. The most popular sport around the globe. Soccer kicking Indianapolis to another level. New plans for the Indy 11 complex and the dramatic change coming to downtown Indy's near west side. We, we know in our hearts, no offense to Utah or anybody who's come before, it's going to be the greatest all-star uh, weekend. Indianapolis now on the clock to host the best basketball players in the world. We'll have the latest on the game plan for next year's NBA All-Star Game. And a magnificent architectural marvel in Indiana's oldest city. Its unique history and why it's in danger of demolition. Hello and welcome to Inside Indiana Business. I'm Gary Dick. Over the past more than four decades, sports has redefined Indianapolis, remade its downtown, and put the city on a global stage. Indy's next big thing, well, the future home of the Indy 11 soccer team, a billion-dollar-plus project to include a 20,000-seat stadium along the White River, at least five 10 to 20-story buildings for residential, hotel, retail development, and a 4,000-seat entertainment venue as well all part of what is envisioned as a 20-acre campus that has the potential to transform what has been mostly an industrial area. The stadium and campus would be located on what for more than a century has been the Diamond Chain Company plant along Kentucky Avenue, just about a block northwest of Lucas Oil Stadium, close proximity to Victory Field, White River, and the White River State Park. Could it one day be home to an MLS franchise? And what about the potential economic impact? With more on the project, pleased to welcome Keystone Group founder Ursal Ozdemir back to the show to talk about it. Ursal, thanks uh, for being here. Big news this week, and uh, Mickey Shuey from the IBJ really kind of broke the story in some of the new renderings of this vision that you have had for a number of years. It's certainly about soccer and the stadium, but it's, it's, it's about a lot more, including this new entertainment venue that you'd like to put as part of this 4,000-seat entertainment venue. Well, thanks for having me, Gary. Uh, as we've said a few years ago, 11 Park, transformational neighborhood development. Now we have a location that is uh, uh, in the middle of everything, as you pointed out, a block away from Lucas Oil. Victory Field, the 6,000-seat state uh, TCU center, the new headquarters for Elanco. So we've really found a site that is going to completely transform. Uh, instead of saying 11 Park Transformation Neighborhood, now Transformational Riverfront yeah. uh, Neighborhood Development downtown Indianapolis. Yeah, because the stadium, you've really moved that uh, along. It's going to be along the White River. I think, as you know, we've, the stadium is a small component of this project. The project is privately financed, and it will create a significant amount of residential, uh, office, retail, entertainment. And the stadium being on the river, we also, first time, get to activate the riverfront mm -hmm. as until now, uh, from Washington Street all the way to Kentucky, McCarthy, there is no access to, to public to the riverfront. Mm -hmm. With what we're doing, putting stadium uh, on the river, creating a plaza, 
uh, creating green space, dog park, uh, kids playground. So we're, we're gonna have so much of uh, actual public space that create a little village for the area that hope to uh, complement what's there, but we really truly believe that it's gonna continue help uh, to area to grow in the years to come. In the, the, the huge Elanco campus, that big investment right across the river in uh, uh, next door, essentially, when you combine those, uh, how do you look at this uh, ultimate impact from an economic lifestyle, live, work, play standpoint? Yeah, I mean, we were lucky to have a Fortune 1000 company to move across the river. City, state leaders did a great job to bring them there. There is there's a, a lot more to be done in that area. Uh, again, for those people that love the river, we're going to activate. Culture Trail will be going through that, through Elanco. We feel like we're going to help Elanco to get connected downtown. Hopefully that will create more economic development on that side. We're hoping to create a lot of jobs, you know, a lot of private investment to the area. And we also feel as we're a sports town, as you know, the city leaders decided to choose sports as a business to activate downtown in the 70s, you know, brought um, you know, Colts mm -hmm. here to uh, rebuild re re uh, uh, new venues and yeah. Victory Field. So we want to continue to build on that vision city leaders have done over the years. What's the prospect for an MLS franchise? You've wanted to do that for a long time. Is that still in the cards? You know, as we said this 10 years ago when we started, that it will be Indianapolis is a great city and we need to get ahead of soccer becomes too big. I always said this publicly that it's trying to get a Major League Baseball today, for example, will be difficult than it was 30 years ago. We were, little, we were ahead of most people in the country, but over the 10 years, a lot of cities has moved forward. They were able to deliver the stadiums and got MLS. Mm -hmm. and, but we're in a place that this project itself is a large mixed-use development. Mm -hmm. Stadium's a small component. In the Lebanese, a permanent stadium period. Mm -hmm. With or without MLS, we have an excellent league that we're growing. We've added a women's team recently on top of it. So we're focusing on basically a great uh, transformational riverfront development that is gonna have large impact to the city. Uh, and if MLS works out in the long term, we'll be open to it, but this is not really about MLS. Yeah, we're out of time, but uh, you're anticipating groundbreaking in May? Correct. Okay, very soon. Ursal Ozdemir. Uh, the head man at Keystone uh, Group, also uh, the main man at Indy 11 as well. Big plans that he has had for some time now coming to uh, fruition. And Ursal, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, Indianapolis now on the clock to host the next extravaganza showcasing the world's best basketball players. Lessons learned at the NBA All-Star Game in Salt Lake City. That's when we come back. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank, all rights reserved. And here comes the doctor in the open court to Bird. Bird, Dr. J, Jordan, and Magic. The last time the world's best basketball players tipped off in Indiana at the Hoosier Dome in downtown Indy. 
Well, Indianapolis is now on the clock for the next NBA All-Star Game. The Simon family receiving a ceremonial basketball last week in Salt Lake City, marking the start of the one-year countdown to NBA All-Star Weekend 2024 in Indianapolis. A delegation of about 50 representatives from the host committee and Pacer Sports and Entertainment were on the ground in Salt Lake City taking notes in preparation for what they say will be the best All-Star Game in history in Indy. Utah's got some great legacy initiatives. They've got NBA Cares Day, which we will be doing also. We hope to, to make it a little bit bigger than the league normally does. Uh, we've got the 21 legacy projects we had announced uh, back in 2020, and we're adding three more to get to 24, obviously, legacy projects. So those announcements are coming. We're excited about those projects and what they'll bring to the community. We have the Hoosier Historia Art Project that's ongoing with the Arts Council and the CIB. That's going to be a great lasting legacy as well. Um, we're just, you know, we're excited to get going. We want to be the next All-Star Game and we want to be the best All-Star Game. We want to redefine what this means for the NBA. When I talked to Mel Raines from Vivint Arena, she said the global impact of next year's weekend will make this a unique opportunity to showcase the city and state on a worldwide stage. It's big. There's 1,800 members of the media here. Many of them are international. The game, it's being broadcast in 250 countries. There are 25 international players from 17 countries participating in the events, and six of the 10 starters in the All-Star game are from international countries. So it's such a unique opportunity for us to showcase the tech hub, the, you know, our business, the business environment in Indiana that's grown so much with the work of IEDC and others. And so we're excited to showcase that to the world. It's it's not like some of the other sporting events that we host because it's truly basketball is a global phenomenon. And we have just received uh, details on those three legacy projects surrounding the All-Star Extravaganza. Aspire Higher Foundation will finish its Rise Kitchen, where young people learn about healthy eating and food prep taught by local chefs. The Boys and Girls Clubs of St. Joseph County will renovate the gym inside O.C. Carmichael Jr. Youth Center. And Phelan Leadership Academies will develop the Falcon's Nest Gymnasium at the new Sean Cowdray Health and wellness complex. Well, when fans converge on downtown Indy for next year's All-Star Weekend, they will be wowed by a brand new addition that's going up just outside of Gainbridge Fieldhouse, Bicentennial Unity Plaza. The plaza coming to life right now. It will include a community basketball court that converts to a seasonal ice rink, gathering spaces, and new public art will be installed as well, thanks to a nearly $30 million grant from Lilly Endowment. Construction is expected to finish up on this project in the spring. Now on to one of the fastest growing sports in the country, bull riding and the Indiana Connection. That's a, that's a great reaction there. Hey, I tell you what, if you're in the market for a bull, golf engine. As former Indianapolis Fox 59 journalist Fanshin Stinger, she grew up in Detroit but spent lots of her childhood in the Deep South visiting her grandparents' farm. It's where Fanshin uh, fell in love with animals, a passion she's poured her heart into since leaving the anchor desk at Fox 59 last year. That's where I was introduced to so much of our rich heritage as African-Americans in the Western lifestyle, riding horses, um, just appreciating those foundational values of this of this country. So we would go to rodeos just about every summer and uh, I'd sit there. I enjoyed rodeos, but I always was waiting for the very last event, which was bull riding. And I don't know what it was that drew me to the sport. I know what, what it was today. 
Much more with former Indianapolis uh, anchor Finch and Stinger on the next Business and Beyond podcast. It drops Monday at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. Well, imagine working endless hours on a farm just to eat a meal and have a roof over your head. It was a way of life for poor Hoosiers back in the day. What's next for a now abandoned uh, poor asylum like uh, this one in Knox County? We'll take a look. Plus. In this week's IBJ, celebrating the sweet sounds of Indianapolis jazz icon Wes Montgomery. IBJ reporter David Lindquist on how he's being honored 100 years after his birth. Here's what's making news around Indiana. Brought to you by the Indiana Association of Realtors. Indiana's 21,000 realtors. The neighbors you know, the experts you can count on. Well, we pick back up our Endangered Indiana series in the Hoosier State's oldest city, a once exquisite home built exclusively for people who didn't fit into the social norms of the 1800s. Around Indiana reporter Mary Rachel Redmond here with what's being done now to transform one of the buildings on Indiana Landmark's 10 Most Endangered list. Mary Rachel. Well, Gary, the Knox County Poor Asylum is amazingly still standing. Built in 1882 in Vincennes, for all you number of people out there, that's more than 140 years, but unfortunately, the historic landmark just sits there, empty and in dire straits. I made the voyage to Vincennes to take a look at it for myself. Just on the outskirts of Vincennes, surrounded by hundreds of acres of farmland, sits a building that has the grandeur of an old English estate. First and foremost, architecturally incredible structure, uh, built at a grand scale in a design that's a little more unique for historic county homes in the state. But the, the structure itself embodies local heritage. Uh, it was built to serve the less fortunate of Knox County area. The Knox County Poor Asylum was one of Indiana's first. It housed the old, the sick, the disabled, the orphaned, and the alcoholic. It was providing probably purpose for a lot of individuals who did not have much. The county bought 125 acres out at this site, eventually 160 acres. That 160 acres allowed the poor asylum to be self-sufficient. Uh, they were farming. They were raising food that was, was consumed by the residents. Despite the broken glass you see in the windows and the occasional, well, crumbled brick you see here and there, the Knox County Poor Asylum has withstood the test of time. It was built in 1882. That's over 140 years. And by all accounts, a historic treasure worth saving. And that's exactly what Barmus and his nonprofit plans to do. I was driving by here one day and I'm sorry, but God spoke to me and said this would be great for the community. My wife is on a mission to set up a hospice home. This building was a perfect fit and until uh, I saw inside. <laughs> Barmas was kind enough to give me a tour of the inside. We found what we believe to be original shingles. They're, they are slate. We found those buried in the attic. Okay. Just unbelievable historic home. But what, what does it mean to, to even just walk through it now? It's just amazing um, to see the history. Yeah. 
what happened, you know, what happened when it happened and when it was built and, you know, what hands were involved and just try to see what's been added on and what's been changed over the years. And In some of the original features, you mentioned it used to be that there were always fireplaces in, in, in every room. That's not the case anymore, but this... Is the original and it's the only one left in, in the entire building. You've got these tall doors. You don't see you don't see that anymore. The bottom line is we need a facility to open up the hospice, whether we build from ground up brand new, which is very expensive, or whether we rehab this historic building. It would be fantastic for this community. We, we get the best of both worlds. We have some gorgeous buildings in Knox County. This is one of them. And to me, why wouldn't we save it and pass it on to the people who come after us? It, it'll be done. Not up to me. You know, it sounds kind of hokey, but it's, it's the honest truth. If God wants his building saved, he can save it. Also making headlines around Indiana, Indianapolis-based Radiant Communities Development Corp sharing plans for a $14 million housing project in Sullivan. The project will include 40 lease-to-purchase townhomes and single-family homes. The city says the project will position residents closer to its growing downtown, quality of life, and outdoor recreation activities. Indiana gaining attention as a destination state for those who want to live and work remotely. Three Hoosier cities making a new nationwide poll, ranking hot spots for remote workers. We've got it. You've got it. It comes alive. Evans feel that spirit. A throwback there to Evansville marketing itself 30 years ago. The Crescent City ranking third on the Wall Street Journal's top 10 places for remote workers. Lafayette and Fort Wayne also cracking the top 10. Indiana Michigan Power generating job growth in Northeast Indiana. The company awarding over a quarter of a million dollars in grants to 11 organizations in the region. And finally in South Bend, it's truffles and T-Rexes. Construction moving right along for the new Indiana Dinosaur Museum in Chocolate Factory. The project of South Bend Chocolate Company owner Mark Tarner. Construction of the site began last spring and the museum is expected to open sometime this year. Chocolate and Dinos Museum? Oh my! <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, that's a great story. Lots going on around Indiana. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Mary Rachel. Well, the Wright brothers, Henry Ford, what do they have in common with the future home of Indy's next big thing? The answer when we come back. And nominations are now being accepted for the 2023 Leadership in Law Awards. You can learn more and make your nominations at indianalawyer.com. Plus, meet the people and programs who put patients first. Mark your calendar for March 9th and join us to, to discover who will be named 2023 Healthcare Heroes. Well, the first female leader will soon take the reins at the Regan Street Institute in Indianapolis. Dr. Rachel Patzer was born and raised in Evansville, so the new position brings her back home to Indiana. She's a nationally recognized expert in epidemiology and health services research and says the mission of the nonprofit attracted her most to the position. Hoosier entrepreneur Sam Regan Street founded the Institute with the vision to make health care more efficient and accessible for everyone, which leaders say is a natural fit for Patzer's develop, uh, deep expertise in data and health equity. 
However, these problems related to access are magnified for minorities and individuals with lower income and those who live in rural areas, of which, of course, we know many, uh, many Hoosiers do. So I think what Regan Street Institute can really do well is identifying how big are these differences, uh, how are they changing over time, um, and have research expertise within the institute that really can identify how do we address this with community partners and health system leaders to ultimately improve um, it, the inequities that we see so we can lead, uh, move more towards equity. Patzer is currently director of the Health Services Research Center at the Emory University School of Medicine. It's time now to go inside innovation. Strength in numbers as Indiana partners with Michigan and Illinois. The goal to create a coalition called Mach H2 to land a Midwest hydrogen hub. The group is going after $7 billion in federal funding to create that hub. The efforts are part of the federal regional clean hydrogen hubs program that Congress created as part of the $1.2 trillion infrastructure investment and jobs act. The feds want to award funds to at least six hydrogen hub projects around the country. Another Indiana County has been designated as a broadband ready community, Henry County, the 76th location to receive the certification to make it easier for telecom companies to make broadband infrastructure investment. The broadband ready initiative was launched in 2020. Well, putting a bow on this week's show and the impact of sports on the Indy and Indiana economies, here's a look at what was once buried beneath the proposed new Indy 11 development. More than 100 years before Diamond Chain set roots down on this plot of land, it was home to the first public cemetery in Indianapolis. Warriors from both sides of the Civil War buried there. Then Diamond Chain came along in 1917, and many of the dead were reburied at Crown Hill Cemetery. The company started out making bicycle chains and eventually went on to produce roller chains for industries around the globe. A new chapter in the making for this hallowed Hoosier plot of land in the shadows of Lucas Oil Stadium. Dambrot bearing down. Dambrot across the middle of the goal. In the 11 have broken the scoreless tie. And the boys in blue are on top 1-0. Indiana preserving its past to launch into its future. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. Go out and make it a successful week. Thank you for listening to the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. Remember, you can get the latest business news from every corner of the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Go out and make it a successful week.